0: You're listening to Go To Him with Alan Corbett and Nick Catt. This is a place where we aim to promote men talking about their mental health. We hope to get you guys thinking and more able to express yourselves to perhaps make your lives just a bit better. And maybe we might just make you laugh along the way. Welcome to Go To Him. This is our grief episode. We have both got experience of grief and we felt that it necessary that we do an episode with just us. The rest of our episodes will have guests on. Uh, who are experts in their fields and experience? We have both very different experiences of grief situationally. We just wanted to share that with you.
1: Grief is something that everyone will experience or have experienced, whether it's themselves. You know, I, I certainly have experience from losing a friend and the grief that that caused, but you see the knock on grief as well. You see your loved ones watching you grieve. It makes you question about your own kind of grieving behaviours. There's that age-old response of, oh, he's grieving, which means you can get away with certain behaviours but not others. And there's also kind of grief that you see where, you know, perhaps your parents have lost their parents and you watch them grieve like children. Yeah. And it's it's something that we all go through, whether it's something you, you experience directly or you watch other people go through it it surrounds us everyone will experience it this is something that we've decided to do on our own because i don't think you need an expert i think it's hard to be an expert in grief because everyone does it differently
0: exactly and the experience is different for everyone there's no real sounds like an awful thing to say and it's but there's no real end to it you always grieve but you learn to live with that grief and your life changes around it as opposed to being affected by it all the time you just change over time everyone's experience of it is really different we could probably have got a grief counsellor on here to speak to us but even then they probably wouldn't be able to get it no one can get across how you are going to feel when you lose someone who means a lot to you you can you no one can tell you how you're going to feel because i know certainly my experience i thought i knew how i would feel because my dad's illness was a long time happening, but I, I never in a million years realised how how I would feel and how it hit me hard.
1: And you'll never know when uh, when it's going to come and get you, either. No, you know you could be you could be fired one minute and then uh, you know you'll you'll be with some friends in a pub, you'll be five pints in, and then wallop. Yeah. The grief's got you. Yeah. You come out of the toilet and you're you a mess, and your friends are, like, "What's up?" And, ah! Yeah. I'm sure most people that have been through grief have been there. It can get you at any time. Some stupid advert will come on mm. the TV and uh, I don't know, it would be for like a head and shoulders. You'd be like, wow, my dad used head and shoulders and bang, it will get you. And it's, it's yeah. almost like a reset button that keeps hitting you.
0: You could be doing something completely innocuous, like completely sort of unrelated to anything that, you know, really an really innocent thing. And because you know like sometimes when you you're doing something mindless you know like you're doing some housework or something doing something around the kitchen and your mind just sort of wanders off of what you're doing and for a absolute split second of a split second that person will come into your mind and that will ruin you for the rest of the day just a split second of a split second yeah and that'll be you done
1: yeah that's completely relatable yeah you know when um I, I still go to get my phone out to text my mate when when I hear something. Yeah, you know. Oh, I know we like that. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I'm thinking about him for the rest of the day. Yeah. And I experience that grief again. Okay, mm. it may not be as as strong as it was or as sad as it was, but it's there. Yeah. And I think you're right, Alan. It's it's not something you ever you ever get over. It's something you learn to deal with, and you come to some kind of resolve in your head mm. over time mm. with a, a number of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so just for a bit of background, my dad passed away September 2021 uh, from cancer. He had bone cancer in his leg, which very slowly spread to his lungs and the rest of his body. And it's a bit of a long story, really, which I probably don't really need to go into. But he was iller than he led me to believe. And so when it actually happened, I had no idea as ill as he was. He'd gone into hospital he died, he was literally in there five days, I think it was, and then he passed away on the Friday. It was almost like I was grieving before he'd even gone because his speech was so bad that it was barely understandable um, and we assumed it was medication uh, that was doing that, but it wasn't. It apparently found out afterwards. It was because the cancer had spread to uh, like a ner- some nerves in his throat or bit near around that area, I don't really know. I was told by the doctor that it spread around that area, and it, that's possibly that that was causing him to slur. But it, it was, yeah. I mean, I don't know with you because yours was very different to what I went through because yeah. there was almost like a lead up to mine.
1: There was definitely a lead up to the to my one. However, one of the reasons I'm here is 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 uh, because of the lead up. You know, mm. my my friend committed suicide almost five years ago, which. It caused a whole manner of grief you know just feelings that I'd never experienced before and watching my friends go through that experience we all learned more about each other as a result but what we failed to see was the lead up someone doesn't just do that on a whim there is a lead up there is an illness that happens before someone makes that decision and that was part of the grief for me not recognizing enough not being able to prevent it. That was that was probably the initial strongest kind of bit of grieving I'd done. Why didn't I do more? Why didn't my friends do more? Why didn't his loved ones do more? I had to grieve that and go through certain different stages of grieving before I could start to actually come to some sort of resolve in my head and actually mm-hmm. grieve the loss of a friend, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. the circumstances around it were so new to everyone around me I didn't know how to grieve it. No. No no one knew what to say to me. And, you know, my my parents, they they were just as shocked as I was and they wanted to obviously help me through my grief, but they have no experience of it and most don't, thankfully.
0: Yeah. No, because that, thankfully, that kind of thing, you know, with with a friend committing suicide like that. um, It wasn't until a
1: counsellor who told me to make sure I take the time to grieve the loss of a friend. As soon as I got told that, I went there yeah. instead of trying to resolve why it happened.
0: And, and and could you have done anything or yeah or seen anything when yeah. you clearly and you going through have. the obvious yeah. ones or being yeah. really
1: pissed off with him for doing it, leaving his son behind and all of that. Each stage was long as well. Yeah, you know it's it five years ago almost on December first, but yeah, each stage was long. Yeah, it took ages.
0: And you could never know that you, you're gonna feel like no. that,
1: and you think you're all right. You think you're okay, yeah. and then wallop, it just gets you. And and for me, uh, I I realised that I was still grieving when I'm in a bit of a state. I've drank too much. Yeah, you know, it it comes out then because you've yeah. buried it and you haven't dealt with it. You've you've literally buried it. you have thrown some booze down your throat, and yeah, it goes oh hello,
0: and it's coming out. Yeah. At, 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 in your at your worst time. Yeah. Possibly to be able to deal with it yeah. constructively, or in a in a an appropriate way, because yeah. at that point you're drunk,
1: yeah, or, or you're 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 at the end of a three day bender. Like, yeah. Why why am I behaving like this? Yeah. What am I doing? And yeah. then you start to look for reasons. Like, am I a wreckhead? Yeah, I'm a bit of a wreckhead, but I'm not that much of a wreckhead. And then you go right. This is really still bothering me. Yeah. It really is still bothering me. And that's uh yeah that's when I decided to get help. What. Well, Three years after it happened, yeah. so the three years of questioning stuff, yeah, and and it coming to get me like that every now and then without talking about it
0: mm. and
1: not talking about it, and God. that was that was the, you know my biggest that must mistake. Have been really hard.
0: Yes, yeah. I've I I, <laughs> I said typical bloke thing, but I do talk about things quite a lot. I do talk about my mental health stuff, yeah, more than most blokes because uh, you know long story short, like I resolved to not really care what people think anymore. years ago. Now, it's one of the best things I ever did. With my grief for my dad, I, I do talk about it, when it happens, mostly to Nicola. And I'll say, oh, I just feel really sad about dad today. And then she, because she's like she is, she just changed the subject and she'll, in the nicest possible way, she'll change the subject and then she'll talk about something as positive as possible. Mm. Um, it's it's a complicated situation to sort because of, you you do want to talk about it, you don't want to bother people too much. But then I think that's a bloke thing. You don't really want to just be sort of like harping on about the same stuff all the time that you're going through. But at the same time... Which is the basis for our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and it's, it's a really hard. But then I guess this it's, a, it's, a whole, it's all part of the learning process with this. And I think that, that kind of thing will go. I mean, certainly in the beginning, right at the start, I actually, because I felt so awful, I actually resolved to literally just let things happen. I just decided that I would not try and hold anything down. I decided I would feel how I wanted to feel and felt... I would feel how I was feeling. I would... If I felt that I wanted to talk to someone about it, I would talk to... i talk to you or talk to Nicola or talk to other people, talk even, like, my kids, just chatting to my kids about it because even though they lost someone, their experience of it is different to mine. You know, to a certain extent, Nicola lost him as well. They they were never really close because you know that's just how my dad was. Um, but me and my dad were uh, as close. I think I was as close to him as he could get to someone because he was wasn't like that. he mm. wasn't a very loving person, but he was in his own way. And I think I appreciate that as I got older. I sort of just decided to just be. I just decided to be as mm. much as I could to you know let things happen I mean it's like like the story I always tell everyone and i I told you this but for the sake of the sake of the podcast the one we actually started call, Nicola actually my wife actually started calling them episodes Alan's having an episode again it was actually quite funny in the end because she would call them one of my episodes and like the first one I had was um, so I'm, I'm a massive Beatles fan and I was watching the Let It Be documentary on Disney Plus, which I absolutely love and um, savoured every second. And I just remember it was really weird. I remember I I got home from work one day and that was literally my routine. I would get home from work and I would just watch as much as that I could get in. I just remember just sitting there and thinking, just for, the, like I said before, the splittiness of the splittiest of a second. Oh, Dad would love this. Yeah. And I was a mess absolute mess I don't have so many of those what we call episodes anymore it does happen but it doesn't happen so much and I don't know maybe it's because of my resolve to just let myself be myself and things to happen
1: and I, I think I'm it's, not bottling anything up no exactly and I think that's a I think it's a really good thing especially if you've got kids as well because we all learn from our parents and, and we spend our a lifetime learning from our parents, yeah and I never stopped learning from mine that's for sure, but I think when um your kids see you, show emotion, see you, go through grief they they learn how to do that themselves you know yeah. they're they're almost prepared for it. My situation. The suicide is definitely something that that I've grieved the most over anything. I've lost grandparents and grieved them, and mm. that kind of naturally, they all live to a ripe right age. You you can deal with everything a lot lot easier. And I had a I had a fantastic relationship with them. I felt like I got everything out of my grandparents yeah. I ever could. Yeah. But yeah, losing a friend and. Having to have that conversation with children about suicide because I didn't want to sweep it under a carpet. No. This is what he did. He took his own life, and he'd done that by jumping off a, a beachy head cliff. And mm. you know, that that's a way of making sure that that you're going to do it properly. You're not going to come back from that. And yeah. and obviously they have questions, and you know they. It was around Christmas time as well, oh. so it was. Um, it was a rough time and they were good they were supportive and and you know, they they now know and you know they're what 16 13 and 8 they they know what suicide is there's yeah. it's not uh it's not a taboo a taboo word in our household at all it's 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 something that my oldest certainly is quite knowledgeable about and you know he he's not um shy about talking about his feelings and you know we quite often discuss the the unbalanced male to female ratio of suicide you know yeah. the, the the male suicide is a lot higher and we, we talk about why that might be and you know i think it's healthy conversation to have it's a dark subject but it's a healthy conversation absolutely to
0: have. yeah, they, yeah. It, it exists and they have to know it exists the thing is as well what you don't want to happen is for them to get to a certain age of adulthood or whatever, early adulthood, find out about your friend from somewhere else. Yeah, and think, hang on a minute, this this is a big thing that happened to Dad. Why did he, why did he not talk to us about this? Yeah, as you don't want that because you know for loads of other reasons, you need them to believe that you're always going to be open with them. You know, I know it's a big, it's a horrible, horrible, big, massive thing to happen to to anyone. Yeah, but at the same time. Kids have to know that this stuff happens, yeah. You know, and 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 the key to it, I guess, is telling it to them in such a way that suits them as a person, which you are well set to do as their dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, was he? Do you mind me asking? Was he a similar age to you?
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, so a year younger than I was.
0: So that that in a way that that adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it, psychologically, we we're we're hardwired to believe that the people who die in our lives who are close to us are going to be older than us they're yeah. gonna they're gonna die of old age there and if they die of something other than old age they're still going to be older than us yeah so that that adds to the whole impact yeah i guess for one uh, of a better way of putting it
1: and 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 you know around the subject and we'll we we'll, we have a we have a suicide episode planned mm. um at some point but to to add to that subject there were a lot of people Older generations would say, "Well, it's a very selfish act." Now you would never say that about someone who had cancer at that age. You know, it was selfish for them to get cancer. What what people fail to recognise that it isn't a selfish act. They they're sick, they're unwell, they're mentally unwell. It's it's different to being physically unwell, but it's still an illness, and it's something they don't have control. And that's their last bit of control. It's the last bit of control they have, and they make that decision. Yeah you know i wouldn't ever like to be in that headspace it it's a rotten old thing to hear when someone says oh what a selfish act and when when you know that you don't the understand un- the, illness, the way to... but that's the way that's the way of the world right yeah. and, and and i think that's that's possibly why men there are more men that commit suicide than women because as men we're led to believe we don't talk about our feelings mm. you you can't be sad no so we bottle it up we bottle it up and that's why i believe and it's opinion not fact that's why i believe there's a there's a higher amount of uh, male suicides mm. than than females because of the problem we have where men simply feel they cannot talk about no. their emotions and, and feelings.
0: if you imagine can you imagine being in that headspace where you can't you can't think of any other way that you can't think that there's any anything you can do at all literally at all in your life to fix the way you feel other than literally not existing anymore
1: and that's exactly it, fixing the way you feel right? mm. because he had a lovely wife mm. a new son yeah a lovely house a great job he, he, he had everything that that anyone but would that, say. Like that you should be happy.
0: But that compounds why people say it's a selfish act. Yeah, because they say, oh, they would say. I mean, you you know what it's like. I mean, you know, I grew up in the eighties, and you know, I was a kid in the in the seventies, and you would hear people talking about suicide and saying how, oh, he had all this. He had he had his whole life a- a- ahead of him. He had that he had a lovely car. Look at that. Look at his wife. He had. Yeah, but you don't know how... There's no way on earth that you could have known how that person felt in order to come to that conclusion. Yeah. That that is the only thing left. It is never a selfish thing, because if people took the time to really consider how awful you must feel to come to that conclusion, it just doesn't bear thinking about...
1: No. It's certainly a place that I try to get to, to, to try and understand you know the mentality behind that without like actually mm. sending myself down a dark path you know i i felt like i needed to kind of understand the mentality of someone that makes that decision in order to come to resolve mm. to stop grieving my friend because mm. if i could understand it i i could crack on and move on with life and i remember yeah i wasn't dealing with it well and and i remember getting up one sunday morning Half past seven, and I drank half a bottle of wine, mm. just just because I I knew I'd feel all right after that. And I'm mm. there thinking, this this is the sort of behaviour that he 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 used to do. You know, yeah. this this is this is what he done. And I I immediately texted his uh, his wife, who I have a very good relationship with, and and said, look, pff, I'm in a dark place. Mm. You know, I helped her through the you know the. The horrible stages after it happened, and we were very close. And I just needed to lean on her. She was there. She's been through the grief. She knew how I was feeling, and she just reminded me that dark places lead to darker places. And mm. text her every day. Don't go there. Don't get yourself mm. in that dark mm. place. And it's that was me just trying to deal with it because you think differently after a drink. Mm. You know, you you almost feel like you you think better. Yeah, but, but it's, it's destructive.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Because, yeah and that, you know, that's why we all have a beer on a Friday after work yeah because you think better Pff, that's better yeah but you don't it's uh, and also, you just think if, differently
0: if you do binge and then the come down after that binge you're going to probably feel worse than it was before whatever it was that made you make the decision to have that drink yeah and you're not going to be dealing with things as well are you
1: no and for me I couldn't sleep properly. so it's like fucking no, drink some yeah. wine yeah yeah that will help
0: yeah god it's it's horrible isn't it it it's is horrible it's
1: grim it's a grim subject
0: yeah but it's uh, like we, say, but it, we it's... need to, it needs to be t- spoken about yeah. everyone always says that, about the seven stages of grief which I, I find really interesting that there are actually it's only actually i thought it was bullshit i thought it was like one of those sort of things that uh you sort of just read about you know, in a trashy magazine you might Pick up in a doctor's surgery or dentist or something.
1: Are you grieving? Are and you, you grieving? A B and yeah, C. Yeah, exactly. And you get a score seventy nine. are you? Oh, you're really grieving.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which one are you on now? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh shit. Well, uh, I think I'm on, I think I'm in denial. Okay. Well, oh Jesus. Therefore, oh denial. No, you're yeah. not. Are you doing this? No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not in denial. Um, <laughs> um I'm shocked. I'm shocked <laughs> that I'm in denial. Um, yeah, no, it, it, but but it is actually true because if you read up on the seven stage, it's weird actually because some places you read there's actually four stages of grief, other places you read there's that's seven. denial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're denying those three stages. There are, as far as I can, I'm aware, seven stages of grief, and the, the, the first one is shock. Now that's more sort of apparent to you than it was to me. Although there was shock in mine, because like I said, I knew obviously I knew he was very ill, but I didn't think he was as bad as he was. I had no idea that because he, he'd give me information up to that point of him going in hospital, where he didn't tell me that his cancer had spread. So I thought that. It was only, he told me that it was like little tiny bits in his lungs, but he told me all along, in the 10 years or however long it was that he had it, that if it does spread anywhere, it only goes to your lungs. Now, I, I don't know how true that is now. It doesn't matter anymore, but I don't know how true that was. When he first died, I had a lot of chats with his doctor, his specialist. I said, well, what was the cause of death? And she said, well, it had gone here, 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 here. And I thought to myself he would have known about all this. Mm. So that was the element of shock to me. Yeah. You know, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a slap round the face shock, but it was actually, to be fair, I mean, looking at looking at this, it was a shock. It was actually, the third one is anger, actually, and it almost seemed like I had the act ang- because it goes shock, denial, anger for the first three. Now... It actually felt like I had the anger almost immediately that I had the shock because he wasn't he wasn't honest with me. So I was really, really pissed off with him that he didn't tell me any of this because, yeah, I couldn't have done anything about it. I was under no illusions that I could have helped. I could have been there for him, which I was as much as I could up till that point when he passed away. But I would have loved to know what was going on. At the time, I was I was angry and shocked at the same time. But looking back now, no, he wouldn't have ma- nothing. It just wouldn't have mattered because it was going to happen, and it wouldn't have mattered what he had wrong with him. He was going to die. The second one, with, with you, with, with yours, with your shock, yeah. with your one, is very apparent with the shock.
1: Oh, yeah, immediate shock. Obviously, the obvious shock. Yeah. But- the day after it happened, because it wasn't found until the day after, you know, I made a number of phone calls to a number of my friends to deliver that news. And every time I delivered it, you know, that shock was slapping me in the face again, you know. You, you had to, to
0: verbalise it You had to verbalise it, yeah.
1: And, and tell one of your Croydon friends, my closest friends, you yeah. know, their family to me. Yeah. And having to deliver that news and... Uh, a lot of people didn't know the extent of, you know, his depression either. So it was a, it was a double shock. They're like, what? Why? He had everything. So it's like, well, he hasn't been kind of in a great place for a little while, but we didn't know how bad it was. But yeah, on, on the, the day that we all found out, between 10 and 15, Croydon boys all went and met up in a pub that we like drinking in, the first initial hour or two, we just sat round the table looking at each other in complete shock. You know, you can't ordinarily shut us up, especially in a pub, but we were quiet. We looked at each other, we shook our heads, and we went, Phew, what the fuck? Silence, that's all, you know, and, and that was shock. And, and seeing so many shocked faces, like physically shocked faces, mm. it's, it's something that we'd never experienced. And that'll
0: only add to it, because that's be probably an experience, seeing all your closest family-like mates in that state, you've never seen them in that state before. No. And because, obviously, because you're all blokes, even if they'd even felt 1% of that before, you'd have never have known. No, absolutely So not. that is that adds to the shock, because then you're sitting around a group of really close, lovely mates that you love to death, and you're seeing them in a state like that. That's That's only going to add to your shock. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's not just... You know, it's just occurred to me that it's not just the shock of losing that person... It's the shock of the um, reactions of the people you love around you. You're not going to have ever had experienced that before.
1: The people that you would go to to be like, look, I'm not having a great time, lads. Mm. Right, what can we do? Everyone in the same boat.
0: Yeah.
1: And and we immediately started drinking to help with the shock, right? And it took a little while for people to start opening up.
0: That is the shockiest of all the shocks you could go through, I think. Yeah. Unless, unless you know someone, well, in a way, it's a similar kind of thing if someone has a terrible accident, yeah. I guess. And, and you repeat that I don't that know, because there is a massive, massive shock.
1: Yeah, and, and you repeat that shock. You go to bed, you, you're able to sleep. You wake up for a split second, it's not on your mind, and then
0: boom. Bang. Like, oh, man. It's there again. Yeah,
1: there it is. Yeah. That's it. Your, your day is dictated from that moment yeah. because of that shock. Yeah. So you just live that shock yeah. for a, quite some time.
0: Yeah, it's like I've spoken to you about before when I've had experiences of, like, quite bad anxiety where I would... It's like you just said, very true. Like, for a split second, you wake up and you're in that sort of, like, just having woken up two (laughs) seconds, probably, where you feel all right and everything's cool and you're relaxed because you've just been asleep. And then all of a sudden, bosh! It hits you hard. And then your whole body goes into proper, like rigid mode yeah because suddenly everything
1: and all of a sudden you're exhausted again
0: yeah yeah you can't you can't get up no you've got no motivation even though there is motivation there's never any enough motivation for you to get out of your pit even though you've got to get up and sort kids out or when it happened did you get um time off work did they give you time off work
1: they offered it so happened on friday we found out on the saturday i told my boss on the monday Mm. Um, he said, "Take however much time you need." Like, no, I just want to crack on. And we flew to Vegas on the uh, Tuesday. I thought that was, at the time that was the best thing to do. You know, get away from it all. It's the worst thing I could have done. Sin City. You've been to Vegas. All I saw on that trip to Vegas was the mental health issues that that exist in Vegas because it was everywhere. Yeah, right? and, it's just
0: not a real place. No, it? it's not.
1: You see some really horrible things if you're in that frame of mind. And what I should have done is is take time off work and. Get mentally better, but I thought going far away would be the best thing to do. It was the worst thing I could do. I, yeah. You know, I spent the whole time I was there, a complete mess, and and yeah. living in Sin City. So it was easy to escape. I can certainly my, my see how that would have been awful. Yeah.
0: yeah, I can't think of anywhere worse.
1: Middle of a desert.
0: Yeah, middle of the <laughs> desert yeah you know a place on a where, work trip, yeah on a work trip away from your family, anyone in your family, yeah with someone you know probably quite well, but actually you probably wouldn't class them as a proper mate, so they wouldn't know you as maybe as well as they needed to in your circumstances
1: well it was a, a boss, and again, both blokes yeah i I don't want to show this side, he doesn't want to see this side because no. then then we might have to have an actual conversation yeah. about how how I'm feeling and, and also admitting that, that to
0: a boss yeah that's in your uh, back of your head yeah. subconsciously you're going to be thinking career suicide yeah exactly excuse before, the pun <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> oh shit so, <laughs> um but but it you know you know subconsciously you're going to be thinking I don't really want to admit that I'm a, a weakness yeah
1: and, it, and it, it happened you know we yeah. went to a we went to a party together and and the, the, it was an open bar. I stood at the bar and drank and drank and drank and drank. I felt better. I thought, right, okay, I'm enjoying this now. On the walk back to our hotel, which was only across the road, but still about a five kilometre walk, yeah. because that's what that place yeah, is yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. We we get to the bridge, and I just have a complete meltdown. Yeah. And he's just like, "Don't do this here. Don't do this here. Please, don't do this." And it's like, "But And you just, nah. you, I just offloaded on him. And the, the next day, I got up, and it was, um, it's awkward.
0: And I, I actually probably overthink things more about being upfront, even though, like, like I said to you before, I stopped caring about what people think years ago about my mental health and stuff. But I'm still mindful about them, if that makes sense. Because I don't want, I, if I ever don't speak about it, it's because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. That's what it is. I don't want to be forcing them.
1: I want to always avoid having that conversation with Sharon in South Support. Yeah. Who, who knows what we, I've been off through ill mental health. And she'd go to me, "How are you?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm really good." And she'd go, but "How are you really?" Like, <laughs> so I said, "I'm fine, Sharon." Yeah. Right? And you don't, you don't want, you almost don't want that. No. And how are you really? Yeah, yeah. Like, my health isn't your concern, Sharon. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Settle down. You Sharon. want it?
0: You want, <laughs> you want those questions, but in an appropriate sort of like setting. You know, I know there is that thing about ask twice, and I totally 100% agree with it. Always ask twice. Yeah, you don't really want that from Sharon in um, sales support. No,
1: yeah, you, know, you don't want to sit in there thinking, "Oh, I better do this because I don't want to cause another." Yeah, episode. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't want him. So, did anyone know about like about the bridge incident, or was it just you and your boss?
1: Just me and my boss. Yeah, it haunted me for a little while. I bet. Yeah, bloody hell, it did. But it, it needn't. It needn't. No, no. Me, you know? it, it was. It was. It was probably part of the
0: whole grieving. Know, that sounds like a really stupid thing to say. In any way, having that massive, like, blurt out, did you feel any kind of, like, relief from that?
1: No. Nope. You didn't? <laughs> Not at all. No. Yeah. I just felt like... Uh, I felt worse, to be honest. Oh, really? And I just wanted so, to So, like, it was like the more. tip of
0: the iceberg and yeah. you needed to be somewhere where you, you could express yourself like that but feel more comfortable about doing it. Well, the good thing is that you did tell people. You know, it'd be easy to sort of imagine blokes to get into the mindset where they wouldn't want to tell anyone at work what's happened and they're just going to try and style it out because I can imagine that happens all the time
1: well I mean coincidentally there was a lady that worked on our team she lost her boyfriend in the same way oh god so she was quite good to lean on because she'd been through it
0: I thought we were supposed to be doing comedy stuff yeah well (laughs)
1: Tough subject.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's dark. So it's dark man. So
1: it's what, dark. What's what's the one after the um after the shock? It's denial. Denial. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> it's that uh, river in uh, Egypt. Uh, um
1: we'll edit that
0: out. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, it says so the thing I read, it says the person you lost was there one minute and not the next, making it not feel real at all. They've been around all your life. Yeah, see, that's a difficult one for me because my dad wasn't. So, (sighs) I don't know if I really had denial. I suppose, I don't know, did I have denial with the fact that, like, I didn't know he was as ill as he was? No, because I believed it once I found it out. There was no reason for me not to believe it because he sounded awful and I knew he was, I don't know, I didn't know he was as ill as he was, but it made sense afterwards. Did I have denial? I don't... mm. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I had... No, I don't think I did. I'm really trying to, like, think, did I have denial? Maybe it's important not to, with the seven stages of grief, maybe it's important not to totally believe it, that there is a seven stages of grief. Do we have to, you know, do we have to have gone through all of them? I think certain circumstances you can't have denial,
1: surely. I definitely had denial. I still get little bits of denial about it now. Denial was kind of quite immediate for me. After the initial shock, spending time with his wife... You know in in the following days in the back of my head it's like well you know because we reported him missing we reported he, he might be quite uh, unstable um and his car was found near beachy head uh with a suicide note would they have just assumed that the body they pulled out was mm. him be- you know, and and is he hiding somewhere
0: yeah is it
1: is it something that hasn't happened how do they know it's him and that kind of way of thinking was definitely in my head. It's not really him. They've mm. made a mistake. It's not really him. And I remember having a conversation with her, and and she initially had that. So denial is, is definitely one that I experienced, but short-lived. Definitely. Oh, that, of course. One, that was definitely one of the. I would imagine there.
0: though, with with people um, who are you know to do with suicide, people who commit suicide, denial is always going to be an issue, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially in
0: those circumstances of your, of your mate.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think probably... Where someone of,
0: that he doesn't know or you know goes and finds him, there's always going to be that shred of doubt in your mind that they've found the right person, isn't there? It's natural.
1: And I think it will always be there as well. I think it will yeah. always be there. Like when you lose anyone, you expect to see him walking down the street. You'll be like, What
0: I see, I see old ingredient. geezers quite a lot, bald old geezers, like, look, like similar height to my dad. Now, granted, my dad had quite a limp because he only had a leg and a half. Sometimes I see like old geezers like with faces like my dad. For a split second, I think that's my dad. Split second. And then I'm thinking, no, no, it's not. But then I sort of feel a little bit sad afterwards.
1: Yeah, like we say, you, you, you forever grieve someone that you lost. And yeah. I, I think that these things just come and go, don't they? These, they do. These different stages.
0: Maybe, maybe. I wonder whether these things are... We're hardwired to do this stuff because we're sort of drip-feeding ourselves the pain. We're drip-feeding ourselves it so that we don't feel all the pain all at once, all of the time. So, you know, over time we drip-feed ourselves it so that we can somehow... Maybe it's a evolutionary trait that human race has. I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it too deeply, but it makes sense to me for us to be drip-fed.
1: Maybe you're in denial. Maybe
0: I am still in denial. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. The third one is anger... I think that it's easy to say as as men we would try to keep this hidden and that we 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 only want to be able to vent it to somebody somebody trusted who would would have seen us angry before so for instance I, I you know I I've got a bit of a temper that's just how I am you've seen me on the you know on the side of the football where you know every single time I was on that side watching the boys and i'm standing a few yards up from the oppo coach i'm not alan i go go into coach alan
1: your your anger has only ever entertained me yeah your your anger has only ever made me laugh yeah i've never seen you angry about anything important
0: no you know
1: and and i don't i don't think you and i have ever been angry at the same time on the side of the pitch now we've, we've both been through anger mine's generally at the uh the Oppo's manager or stupid linesman or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't ever remember when we're both there being angry at the same time. Maybe cup final day.
0: Well, yeah, both cup kicking final day. About,
1: but, um, yeah,
0: or maybe, for the sake of the podcast, I can't mention anyone's real names or a football club, but where we were playing against someone at our place, that little short fella who was the manager... Decided to say that you were a moany bar or a moany fucker was that his actual words?
1: Dickhead I think it was. a it was dickhead A old dickhead yeah moany yeah, old dickhead yeah.
0: decided to tell you that right at the end he he'd had plenty of opportunity to tell him in a, you in a nice way
1: whilst grappling my hand and, and pulling me close yeah because you'd gone <laughs> over to him to shake
0: his hand to be nice and I guess that's the only time when you and I have both been angry because he was kicking off at you it was completely unfounded and it was because he was kicking off at you it was then I lost my shit and walked over to him to yeah. try in an angry way to to reason with him. By, by kind of point.
1: eased my anger <laughs> because I found it funny <laughs> the whole situation
0: <laughs> it was funny though because doing the football you you I,
1: see a lot of angry men you see a lot division of division five Sunday morning football
0: yeah grassroots watching their 14 year old boys playing football Pent up
1: aggression, pent
0: up yeah, aggression that they never got to under fourteen to play football, in the uh, fifth division, and uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I've that was that was uh, that's something we're not going to have anymore, thankfully.
1: Yeah, but anger is not always about shouting, is it? You know, some, sometimes, and and for me personally, anger is an inner emotion, and God, I'm glad I haven't vented it at times.
0: You know? Oh see that's where i go wrong i i I keep it in and keep it in and keep it in but i think my vent is is very much sooner than yours the time between getting angry and venting is very much shorter than yours
1: and i use the supermarket as a an example yeah because i i not anymore but I, i used to really struggle with supermarkets and it always seemed to be me that would have a trolley bashed into me. And, Mm. you know, I was already angry when I walked in the supermarket because I didn't want to be there. And, you know, I'll have a trolley bashed into me and you know someone would say to me, so I'm really sorry I didn't see you there. I'm six foot two. (laughs) So in my head, I'm going through all this kind of like... I just turned to him, no problem. Yeah. And then I'll get round the corner and it's just like, do you know what I should have said? I should have said, you what?
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, and and start replaying this angry yeah. scenario that I will never actually play out in my head.
0: I used to be very much like that, too much like that. And so I don't know when it was, a certain part in my life, I don't know, it actually might have been when I turned 40, actually. I got to a point where I thought, oh, I'm sick and tired of being in situations where I feel like I should have said something I hate that feeling of having wished I'd said a certain thing. <laughs> I hate it. So consequently now, if I have meetings at work, I tend to speak up quite a lot because I hate the feeling of not having said something. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that's entirely constructive thing to do because I would say two-thirds of the time it probably is. That third of the time it isn't. That's when I will like, be angry with myself and and hate myself for it because I just wish I'd kept my gob shut because you just come across as a, as an angry, grumpy bastard.
1: With <sighs> the shoe fits, mate.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> Number four, bargaining. Bargaining? Yeah. It Ooh. says, uh, it's the coming to the collusion of what if. What if you'd done things in a different way that might have stopped things or made things easier for them? What if you'd known more about their condition or been more of an advocate for them as a spokesperson for them? Powered by a feeling of hopelessness and helplessness, were you you would—that
1: was the big one for me. Yeah, I, I knew he was unwell. I didn't know to the extent that still lingers now. When I, when I sit and think about it, especially coming up to you know, December, which you know marks the anniversary, because he you know, he, he first uh, he first had a bit of a episode in October. So there's certain things that happen in here, like. It was Halloween weekend. You know, he he just disappeared for a little while, and, no. and we found him, and he was all right, but yeah. obviously not. As as Halloween looms, that reminder comes in. Yeah. I think, well, Halloween to December was a long time. What more could I have done? And and that that's the one that still lingers with me now. That like we've repeatedly said throughout, grief doesn't stop. You no. know, you just you you learn to manage it, and yeah, you, know, you live you, with it. You live with it, and possibly don't spend so much. time time thinking about it but that one mixed with denial Mm. you know where I will quite often think like if only I'd done this if if only I recognized the signs of that day when he was so happy in the morning because I was due to see him later on that day you know and if if only uh, we pushed more for help because he was getting help but it wasn't enough um, mm. If only we pushed more for help to to get him that help, then this wouldn't happen. Who can we blame? Yeah. For the reason that happened that didn't give him the enough help, and that's that's where the denial comes from. It yeah. wasn't me; it was them, you know. And and the the truth is that all that was is exactly this. the yeah. the stages things happen, right? And you you only know how to how to deal with something by you. We learn, you know. We we as humans, we learn as as we go along, and mm. it's everything's different, and we learn from a really early age by—I use the word mistakes, but it's probably the wrong word. But you know, from a very early age, we get up on our feet, we touch stuff we shouldn't. It's dangerous. You're told exactly. no, and yeah. so so we we learn by by doing things wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, that's how we learn. And I'm not going to say that I did anything wrong because because I know that I didn't. But mm. but yeah, there is certainly the what ifs. Over and over again, and yeah. that, that took ages, that took ages. You can take blame, and you blame yourself, and you think, well, if I did this, but I couldn't do that, and then you, you start hitting those other stages again,
0: mm-hmm. you know, the denial. Yeah.
1: See, the that's short, the thing that it anger. doesn't say
0: here, but I would argue like that. I would argue that these these don't... I don't think that this comes in an order. No, absolutely not. I really don't, because... You know, I mean, let's face it, the next one is depression, which I would argue is right from, well, uh, after the initial
1: Well, I, I shock. still, I get angry with him now. I get angry yeah. with him because a song that he loved, Do You Want to Be a Spaceman by Oasis. Mm. You know, some days I can put that on and really enjoy it. Mm. Some days I can put it on and it, it, it just <clears throat> brings all this yeah, back. Yeah. And then I'm really cheesed off with him because yeah. it's a great song. Yeah, right. and and I can't listen to it today, and I really wanted to. Yeah, you
0: know, and and yeah. so I
1: get pissed off with him for that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, I can I can understand that. I mean, with my my dad, there's certain like music. Actually, weirdly, I think I'm sort of in a way, I, I don't have that quite so much. Only because I sort of feel like I've got a lot to thank my dad for with music and things like that. Because I sort of believe that he. In a way, without actually, I don't think he was even trying to do it. It's just he was—he really loved his music and he loved his comedy as well. And I think um, without him really trying, you know, he wasn't. He—he <laughs> um, he did shape the way I—he did shape my tastes in music in a way, and allowed me to explore music genres and stuff. And so, you know, I always say that, that you know, you know, it wasn't a great upbringing that I had because my mum and dad. They divorced when I was 11, I think it was. It wasn't great. Dad, my dad, you know, towards the end of his life, he did actually admit to me that he wasn't a great parent and that he could have handled things better. Not, not many people knew that about him. Everyone knew that he wasn't a great parent and that he he was awful to my mum. He didn't knock her about or anything, you know, but he just, everyone think everyone who knows my mum all wonder how him and her ever got together because it's like so opposite My mum's an absolute angel of a person, just without fault. She's just the most incredible woman you could ever meet in your life. And how him and her ever got together, everyone's clueless, but it happened. Um, But I always say that in the formative years of my life, my dad, you know, he was playing ELO. We were listening to Queen. We were listening to like old 70s rock we he allowed me and my brother to sit up and watch uh, Mon- Monty Python. We were sitting up watching not the Nine O'Clock News and all the comedy mm. stuff that was coming on, and that really formed me with stuff that I love. And my my brother actually, I would argue, like, he would tell you that. And so I think you know I've got a lot to thank my dad for, even though it wasn't really meant. So like I guess there's certain things that I would think, oh yeah, my dad would love that, and that would set me off. You know, he he brought us up listening to her and John and. I will never not love Elton John. Yeah. I mean, you can't, can you? No. Nah. You know, Elton John doesn't make me feel sad. It just reminds me of times when I was little, really. Yeah. But what's the next with uh, depression? So it says a mixture of emotions uh, can lead to depression. Uh, this can be mixed with anxiety and a general feeling of dread. Well, that's true. You know, that dread, if you've got anxiety and depression, dread is something that you... No, You know, it's that black dog. Have you heard about yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the black yeah. dog? It's so true. Yeah. And dread for me is that black dog. Yeah. Um, if anyone doesn't know about the black dog, just Google about the black dog. It's almost like a um, a metaphor for how depression and anxiety make... It's depression, really, how it makes you feel when you go through it. And it's so true. It says uh, the suffering can be too much to bear and lead to the, the sufferer... To question the point of carrying on and lead to wanting to be reunited with a person they've lost. Well, I I haven't. That's not really something that hasn't hit me that hard. No. I can imagine it would hit you hard if you lost a partner or a child. It would allow, It would make. It would hit you that hard. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that that's, that's you know, certainly from my experience of grieving. I I don't think uh, I don't think I I have the kind of. That, definitely wasn't part of my journey depression no. anxiety yes but but depression no i don't think so i think you know like i didn't i didn't necessarily deal with you know what happened my grief in the in the in the right way and and i think that any kind of depressive thoughts i had came from how i was dealing with it rather than you know what had happened mm. for the stages of grief i'm sure it was probably there yeah but yeah i think it, it's It's clear to understand the difference between sadness and depression, yeah. and you know I'm sure most people that are tuning into this will already understand that because they yeah. will have an interest in in mental health, and there, there is a big difference. but for me, there was a lot of sadness for a very long time, but mm. I, I, I don't recall ever feeling depressed from, from the grief. Mm. You know there mm. was, I got depressed from the way that I dealt with the grief that I had.
0: Well, maybe I mean as
1: part of it, but
0: I mean for all I know, I mean it stands to reason for me that getting depression through through grief. It doesn't matter how you get the depression, whether it's through uh, like you know other things that's making you have the. Do you know what I mean? Like you, I'm not really make myself clear. It's like I, I think that it's not like all the other all of these other stages of grief. It's like we've already said, haven't we, that these don't, don't necessarily have to be in order. No, and one thing can cause another, th- another thing. So, for instance, you know, one of these is anger. Now, if you're in the mindset of having depression, if you come to that conclusion, or no, not necessarily. If someone says to you, "Yeah, since blah blah passed away, I think you're depressed. I think you're going through depression. I know about depression, and I think I've seen you go through it." If you're not of that mindset to be able to accept that, you're going to be angry. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So, yeah. I don't think that that specific part. I think certain things can cause the other things to happen.
1: Yeah, and I think probably as well, it's the it's it's almost one that you can almost control, right? You know, Mm. you got all this other stuff going on. Oh, I'm shocked. I'm in denial. I'm angry. I'm I'm blaming myself. Like, fuck! I'm not going to go into depression right now. Mm. You know, and and you just kind of maybe you go back into denial. I'm not depressed. Maybe I was depressed throughout. Yeah. Maybe I'm still in denial. Who knows? Mm. But but yeah, it's um
0: Maybe if I'd have done this then this would then the depression wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Which is the bargaining.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you get know? yourself all caught up. Yeah. And it's complicated. It's, oh, complicated. it's very complicated.
0: It's complex. It's a proper web.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should have got a grief counsellor
0: in. Maybe we should. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. Don't bloody listen to us. We're just talking out of old bollocks here. Yeah, the next one is acceptance and hope. And a quote I've put on here is acceptance is about realising you can't change the circumstances, but that you can gain some control how you, over how you respond. You can slip backwards in this because you can never be sure it's completely the right thing to do. You can become overwhelmed again. But I guess like, you know, I said to you before that I decided to just be and just, just decided to let my body and my brain do what it needs to and just just embrace what happens. Maybe that's part of the acceptance.
1: yeah. My experience with uh, the subject is we would we would always want to do something to mark the anniversary or mm. do something to, to mark his birthday. And I remember one, one year, it must have only been last year, where I didn't want to do that anymore. No. I, didn't want, no. I didn't want to mark his birthday. Mm. Um, he's not here. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I raise a glass, but I, I didn't want to meet up with everyone and no. celebrate his birthday. It didn't feel right you know mm. because he's not here and mm. first few years we did that it was quite mm. nice to meet up yeah. um and the anniversary even more so i got to a point where where I, that day is first of december that that day needs to be about advent starting again mm. that day yeah. needs to not be about that anymore and and i think that's when i realized that i'd accepted you know that it had happened and i accepted that Life, life goes on. I remember year one was the first anniversary. Compared to the second anniversary,
0: mm.
1: year one was a breeze. The second one was tough. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because that's interesting. Yeah, because year one, you know, we we did have a big thing for his birthday, and we did do a very big thing for the anniversary. All of my friends got together. We went and played some darts at a flight club, mm. and then we went to karaoke, two of his favourite pastimes, mm. darts and karaoke, and and that was great. And I think there was this expectation on year two of having an equally good time, but I think everyone mm. really struggled coming up to the anniversary. I think everyone felt this little bit of pressure to also mark the occasion, but mm. wasn't going through maybe the stages of grief anymore. Almost, Yeah, honest, and I guess you... you-
0: you know, I guess it's that realization that you don't need to have these grand gestures of remembrance for you not to love him still.
1: And and for me, when you know going back to the acceptance bit, that's when I realized that I think I'm through. Yeah, the rough seas now mm. of dealing with that. And yeah, that that must have only been last. Do you year. know what?
0: That's really interesting, though. The fact that you having that realize realization that you're through with that to an extent or to a greater or lesser extent and the fact that you you were you were right to have that conclusion because you didn't feel shit about it you didn't feel a, a, a level of guilt because if you got to that conclusion early like sort of you know previous to when you actually to it because you were trying to rush yourself through it then sooner or later you'd either something had happened that would boot you up the arse or you'd feel like a bit of an arsehole and, and
1: initially I did when when I said to a friend of mine like do you know what I'd I'd rather wouldn't meet up on the Mm. anniversary I'd rather just meet up with you I think about the guy every day anyway yeah yeah right so I'd rather just meet up with you not on that day just for the sake of meeting up with you Mm. but you know we we can remember him any day we can sit there and drink to him any day I don't yeah. you know it's i want that day back to be my day
0: you know yeah and i guess like as well if you really think about him and how if he was if you were to talk to him about that if you were able to say to him he'd probably be totally cool with it oh he yeah wouldn't completely. want like people he yeah, would
1: find it hilarious kissing. that i now think about him every day because until we had done this i didn't no right? <laughs> no and and you know if he'd find that hilarious yeah thanks mate yeah <laughs> what's the final stage of grief
0: um, its um, processing apparently it varies from person to person and circumstances. It's important to know that this takes time, but there is no way of knowing how long. You need to be patient with yourself. Everyone is different. It goes back to what we said right at the beginning. I think where we said that everyone's experience of grief is different, and it doesn't matter about the circumstances. You, your experience it is, and the way you process it with your mind is going to be very different to the next person. It's it's not it's not linear at all
1: no it's not and and i think um like we we've said throughout you know there's a there's certainly a generation where the viewers you don't talk about your feelings you Mm. know keep calm carry on you know stiff up a little all of that that jazz and real men don't cry and and certainly uh from my experience that we've been talking about it A bunch of friends would get up, and everyone would be at a different stage, everyone would be feeling Mm. in a different way. And we learned to ask each other questions about how they're feeling, and we learned who not to ask about it because they didn't want to talk about it. Maybe when for me, certainly, I'd have pockets of friends that I'd have chats to about it, and some days they'd talk about it, some they wouldn't. So it's for me, it was difficult seeing a lot of friends grieve the same thing at the same time, but in different. At a different pace.
0: I bet that I bet that got confusing, though, didn't it? Yeah, because there there were
1: certainly the funeral that everyone was in a completely different place. There yeah. were some of us that were just so damn pleased to to get there, yeah. Do it, get it over with. Yeah. It's a couple of days before Christmas, and just start cracking. Because you on dread with life. a
0: funeral, don't you? You, you dread do, the funeral yeah. right up to the point of doing it.
1: Yeah, you do. And th- and there was some that just didn't handle the funeral, mm. and and. There was another one of my pals who never, ever forget what he said, and it, it will always always bounce around in my brain. He said, we've all managed to take a day off work to come to this guy's funeral. Why can't we all take a day off and just go and see him? Oh. Right? And it's just like,
0: fuck me, man. man. Life. Like, That's gut-wrenching, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's gut-wrenching because he's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Do you think that it was part of his anger processing?
1: For sure, yeah. yeah definitely the one thing i will say about everyone everyone gave each other the room they needed to yeah. grieve and get through it and to help i think probably quite a few of us did did seek help uh professionally at some point as yeah. well and it, it would have definitely been the right thing to do but one thing i wish i had done was to to do my own kind of research on on how to deal mm. with grief and and whatnot because there's lots of good stuff out there yeah oh god there's lots of good stuff yeah out there. no
0: i mean that's part of this my research for this episode because the thing is it's like an absolute rabbit warren if you're going to like research organisations to go to honestly it's, it's almost endless
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: it is a complete rabbit warren and you almost have to go in each website I've said to you before we started recording today some of them are quite sort of area specific I found one that was just for East Hertfordshire I was thinking, well, that's—I don't really understand the mentality of that. Surely, you want to help people everywhere, or help people in general. I don't. I, well, don't, I suppose I don't if they're running
1: in. kind of sessions,
0: the yeah, to. and if they're only a small concern, I guess. Yeah, one that came up quite a lot was one called atalos.org, dot org dot org. It's what's called a signposting website for the bereaved. So it's almost like a not cer well, I guess you could call it a search engine because the way it's quite clever the way they do it. you can put in the circumstances of your of your loss, and what it'll do is it will point you towards organizations that deal with stuff like that, so for instance, I did one search in on my dad dying of cancer, and i 'm pretty sure there were ones that came up with cancer organizations. And it's not just organisations as well. It's such a lovely thing. I had no idea that existed before this. No. Which is an awful thing to say, given that what I've been through, I had absolutely no idea. They point you towards advice. They point you towards biographical information of people that have been through this and have lived in certain way. And then you can read about their experiences. They give you literature recommendations. So... Things like books and stuff that you can read that might, self-help books and stuff that might help you. Um, articles, blogs, website resources. The good thing about it being so much and being a bit of a rabbit warren is that there's literally something on there for everyone. It's, it's such a lovely thing. It's such a great idea.
1: And what's that called again? loss.
0: So that's At a a- A-T-A-L-O-S-S dot org. If I just read their thing that they said, it says Atalos helps bereaved people find support and well-being. So that's a, I mean, I love the fact that they're looking at well-being as well, not yeah. just like telling you this is going to happen, this has happened. But um, it says our vision is that no bereaved person in the UK should be left floundering or alone and unable to find support when they need it. We want there to be universal routine referrals so that everyone can find timely, appropriate, and effective support. In the interest of their mental mental and physical health, as well as practical, financial, social and spiritual well being. It's a really lovely thing really. I really love that.
1: That's good and, and I suppose Alan like if someone's in denial, if you you see in a loved one grieving and they're at the denial stage getting them to do something like that could be really difficult i i found some great information on the internet which is basically questions that you could ask a friend or Mm. a loved one who who's grieving there's a lot of good stuff on here and some of it's quite subtle and i think this is some of these are important and the number one question is, how can I help you when you feel overwhelmed? You know, again, it's a, it's an open question to get someone mm. talking. You know, there's other ones on here. What is it that gives you comfort right now? So you're not actually tackling the the subject of why they're grieving. It's it's a, again a, an open question. There's yeah. no yes or no answer. And do you want to talk? Would you like to join me for lunch or a coffee today? Another one on here. I'm here to help with some chores. Do you need any help in the backyard? Just usual thing so it's not Mm. always going for that obvious do you want to talk about it are you feeling sad Mm. about losing a loved one what is it that's making you sad about that it's, it's really casual stuff and also with the same questions there's a there's a lot of stuff about self reflection about uh, grief and you know doing this research I I've, I've gone through them and certainly come to my own conclusion at the end and you know the the first question here I'll read them out did I feel like I needed to hide my grief or could I grieve honestly much to what we've spoken about you know mm. are we angry on the outside or are we angry on the inside mm. and mm. you know the, the next question on Here, what feelings am I most uncomfortable with right now Mm. certainly something I never did that question if I think if I read that at the time where I've experienced grief I might have been able to come to some better kind of resolve about where where I am on the seven stages of grief but I would have ignored this stuff I'd be like no I deal with it in my own time you know but if I asked myself these sort of questions I might have got somewhere a little bit quicker who can I count on to help me through my grief now for me, I'd I definitely become very insular. This was my grief to have. Yeah, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, yeah. I certainly went through stages with that. Certainly those around me were going through something as well.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, at the time when, when my dad passed away, January before that, my um, really good friend, her, her mum had passed away. So towards the end of last year, and we still do meet up now, it's really lovely. We've been best of friends for years and years. But it was really lovely because she, she was able to sort of... Um, really empathise. Empathise, yeah. Empathise with the way I was feeling. And she knows me really, really well anyway. That was a a really lovely thing. And I feel so lucky for that. So lucky. But the other thing as well is that two of my oldest friends, when my dad passed away, two of my oldest, most loveliest friends, the day after my dad passed away, I remember getting up and um, my friend Ian, who lives the road from me and he's part of my friend group, he uh, came round and he bought some booze round cuz he'd lost his dad 15 years before so he knew and he knew what it was like to go through it as a bloke and you know he's such a lovely guy but the my other two friends they they said right we're going out for a drink I'm going we're, we're going to go out
1: I'm going to throw a question at you here yeah right why is it that blokes do that when when they get bad news mm. that they want a drink see i i I think I know the reason why I think, I think historically see... I
0: think historically it's it's like I don't think I'm like this really and I don't know if they are really but I think historically with a couple of beers inside you yeah, you're going to be a bit more open to talk about stuff and you're not going to there's not going to be that element of um wanting to hide your Inubitions. feelings yeah there's no yeah, inhibitions or yeah. well, there are inhibitions but not not in the same way and you're so, going to feel more you're going to feel better about talking about it
1: for for me the answer for me personally and I'm probably for many my best friend lost his dad to cancer earlier this year yeah I knew the guy over 20 years he was he was like another dad to me at times yeah. you know and when I found out he was ill so mm. before he passed away when he, when he was ill I wanted to be upset about it I, I, mm. I wanted to get upset because I I liked the guy so I come home from work that day and I I had this permanent lump in my throat Ugh. all day and I, w- I wanted to cry. yeah I wanted to do that. yeah So I got home, I I drank whiskey and I listened to sad music until it came out. yeah So for me, it was yeah. the catalyst to yeah. get me to cry. Yeah. Once I'd had a cry, I I felt a little bit better yeah. and I felt like I could be a better emotional support yeah. to my friend as, as a result. So for me, I think it's it's the it, it's the way to get the emotion out yeah. that we are conditioned as there's as men pressure. to, to yeah. keep inside. There's us. this,
0: there's this almost this internal like air pressure holding all of this angst and all of this emotion in. And regardless of how enlightened you think you are, you are never ever going to get that out unless you force it out. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how open I think I am with my mental health and the way I'm feeling with people. It doesn't none of that matters. That is going to stay there until you literally force that out.
1: You've you, you got to get it out, right? Yeah. And it, rightly or wrongly, I was in the office when uh, I, I had this news and there's no way I'm crying in the office, right? I take this news, I take it home and I deal with it there. For me, it's, not, it's almost not okay to cry there, mm. right? But I can go home, I can drink half a bottle of whiskey, cry Tell people I went home and drank half a bottle of whiskey and I cried. They're like, "Good yeah. for you. Yeah. You needed to do that." Yeah, right? yeah. But it's it's bizarre and much why we're here today. Yeah. Right? Because we are conditioned. Keep that in you. Keep it's that in so you. So ingrained Keep as that well.
0: In you. Drink yeah. and then you can cry. Yeah. You're a man
1: now. You yeah, can yeah. cry because you've had a drink. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah,
0: mean? Yeah. No. I I I always class myself as I'm not as enlightened as I think I am. Absolutely no no fucking way. No. It's bullshit. No. You know, I I might be open and upfront with things more than maybe the next bloke or blokes that I know, but it doesn't make me, make it a lot easier for me to be able to express myself. I mean, that that day my dad passed away, I remember um I went I oh, blimey, well this is a it's a long story short, when he passed away, I was still on my own. Um me and my brother had been estranged for a few couple of years and I contacted him and said, "Oh, can we can we meet for a coffee just to chat about dad? Met up. It was very nice. It was nice to see him again, and we just spoke about dad and um decided what we were going to do next, you know, next steps and whatnot. It was very nice. It wasn't an effort. It was really lovely, to be fair. Got home. Eventually, everyone came home from school. Kids went up to their bedrooms like teenagers do. And I remember Nicola was out in the kitchen. I was laying on the settee because I was, I was literally, I was just so tired. Laying on the settee, me and the dog. And I, I did feel emotional, but I was actually, I was more like just completely burnt out. I was just completely, just, just completely spent. And I decided unconsciously to listen to, because I've got this, <laughs> it's a bit sad, but I really do love sad music. I really do love easy listening stuff. I find it really soothes me when I'm trying to do something else. And I've got this massive playlist that I've had for years. It is up to It's got to be nearly eight and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, no word of exaggeration, right? So I had that going. Anyway, Nicola came into the room. and She said, why on earth are you listening to music like this? And I said to her, and this is what I thought I was listening to music that kind of music so well, my brain can't take anything faster or louder what I actually was listening to the loud to that music for was because I just I must have felt this pressure inside I just needed to open that valve and I remember the song Father and Son by
1: Cat, Cat Stevens, Stevens.
0: Yeah. and I've always loved that song and in the ups and downs that me and my dad have had there's a couple of songs that I've always sort of really helped me through it and that was one of them and um it got to that song and then that was it yeah that was and you know what genuinely right that was the saddest i I sounds really simplistic and it sounds very simplistic but that was literally the saddest i've ever felt (laughs) in my whole life i've never even as a kid cried like that (laughs) It's my face felt awful. It was almost like someone had literally wrung my face out. I've never felt like that in my whole life, but it must have done me good.
1: See, I've I've got a song when I want to feel sad, when 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 I when when I want to cry, mm. like the the song is uh, the first time I ever saw your face. But oh the,
0: my god! But, but the
1: the yeah. uncle version. Oh yeah, I mean, it, oh I must listen it, to that. It's a sad old song. You should listen to the uncle version.
0: I should, yeah.
1: Go steady, though. Yeah. You know, like because, yeah. because it's sadder.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: yeah, great yeah, no,
0: it's, um Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But it's like, you know, like with everything, sensory, you know, it can bring back so much more than what you realise.
1: And back to what we were saying, music, do you want to be a spaceman by Oasis. Yeah. That can either make me you know, reflect on the relationship I had with my friend or... Today that doesn't that tune doesn't sit well with me. Hmm. You bloody bastard! You've ruined it for me. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah.
1: Which leads to this 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 question just staring right at me now on my notes. Will I ever get over my grief? And I think that's how we started yeah. today's show. And yeah. and I think probably more so now after. And look, we don't script these things. You know, no. we we just we just chat. And I'm sure you probably realise that because. Um, if we scripted this, then yeah, our writing skills should probably be questioned. But yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I think the answer is no.
0: No,
1: I, I think
0: again, it's really hard to come t- to accept that, though, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it is. It is, and and yeah, part, maybe part of the acceptance. But I, mm. I think you're right. It, it, it scrambles around, and I think whenever you attend a funeral. Mm sometimes you, you, you're you there and you reflect on yourself mm. you reflect on the person and you reflect on everyone that you've lost mm. Mm. and I think it can swell these emotions around again and, and again will you ever get over your grief no but you you learn to manage it yeah you learn to as, live with it as humans we're great survivors and we learn how to cope yeah and that's that's certainly how I feel about the situation that we've discussed today mm. it's I've learned how to cope with it, how to deal with it, and it, it's just become part of everyday life.
0: Well, I'm still on my journey with it in a way, really. It's only just been over a year. You know, I think it's I think it's valuable for people to um, know. Weirdly, it was through a podcast that's actually really helped me through everything to accept everything. And actually, I would argue maybe it was the po- this podcast I'm just about to speak about that made me realised that I just needed to just be just not try to be anything other than how I'm feeling in that second and then be how I'm feeling in the following second and just be how you want to be or how you feel like being and it's the um, grief cast by Carrie Adeloid which even if you haven't been through heavy grief or whatever it's so it's so such a valuable listen She speaks to people like comedians, actors, writers about their experiences of grief. And it's so valuable to listen to other people's perspectives based on their experience of what and what they've been through is so valuable and it really allowed me to to realize that and, and start my acceptance of the fact that I will always have grief and that it's just a case of just living with it and living around it that that's such a huge such a huge thing for me I don't think had I have not been listening to that I don't think I'd be handling things as well as I have done I really don't and it sounds like sounds really pretentious but genuinely I would recommend it. And it's as I say, it's The Grief Cast by Carrie Adelaide. It's so good. It's really good. And the lovely thing about it is that because of the subject matter, you can dip in and out of it. So I would never profess to say, oh, I've listened to every episode. No, I've only listened to episodes either about circumstances where people have lost people that are relevant to my experience or people who I look up to. For instance, the Jimmy Carr one is incredible the david baddiel one is amazing you know people like that people heroes of mine and that i found that through listening to them and them talk about it it's it's really allowed me to deal with things in a more healthy way i think than had i done i'm not saying i'm entirely dealing with things entirely healthy but it's a i don't know it's a long road isn't it it's a long road you know i think um I think, you know, my family would probably say that no, I am easier to live with now than I was. Or I would literally just, you know, fly off the handle. And I guess that looking at the, those seven stages of grief in inverted commas, that's yeah. the anger. Easier, but not easy. What do you mean? <laughs> to live with. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was no, a joke. Not, it was yeah, a joke, No, no I'm, I'm not that easy to live with, I've got to be honest. No. <laughs> I'm lazy gear um, and grumpy. Um, but um, But no, I think I am... The, the, the parts that got worse through going through this are actually slightly easier now. I would argue for them, possibly. I hope. I think they are. But it's like we said, it's peaks and troughs, isn't it? And actually, with not not just with grief, but with any kind of mental health journey, like experience, it's the key to peaks and troughs is knowing that when you're on a, when you're on the way to a peak, and when you're on your way to a to a trough,
1: and embrace it,
0: yeah, and embrace it, and accept it, and then just then use that experience for the next time. Absolutely. This has been the Go To Him podcast with Alan Corbett and Nick Catt. You can email us on him at outlook.com with comments and subjects you might want us to cover. Don't forget to recommend us to anyone you think might benefit. See you for the next one and thanks for your time.